morning. Um, I'm happy to see you all. Um, after the last year and a half, I'm happy to see anybody. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you made it out today. Uh, I, I, in my past experience being here in high summer of July and August, usually by the time we get to the Dharma talk part of the service, it feels a little bit like a fruit dehydrator in here. Uh, so I decided to go for something maybe a little short and potent as opposed to rambling on and on and on for who knows how long. So um, I want to begin with, if you please put your hands in Hapchong palm to palm, I want to begin with something that uh, for those of you who are regulars, this will start out really unfamiliar but get really familiar by the time we get to the end. So if you please just listen. Zhang Sheng Wubian Shu Wan all beings one body I vow to liberate endless mind passions I vow to uproot Dharma gates without number I vow to penetrate the great way of Buddha I vow to attain So the end, for those of you who are regulars, you know that as the, the four bodhisattva vows. Bodhisattva pranidhana in Sanskrit. In Korean, it's called posal won, which just means posal, bodhisattva won, vows, the bodhisattva vows. Um, this is a, a standard text that's part of the liturgy and the Chan, Zen, Sun, Tin traditions all over East Asia and, and folks who are regulars here, you know, it's the standard part you know, near the end of the service. It's the standard part of the service here. Um, the first time I heard it, some of you have heard me talk before, know that I've, I've mentioned that I kind of started out my Zen path, Sun path in Japanese Zen. I, I used to go to Zen Mountain Monastery, which is uh, in New York. It's Soto Zen, Japanese tradition. Uh, so that's the first place I heard the text. If you search around on the internet, there's a billion different English translations of this text. Every place has got their kind of their own way of wording things. The one that we use here, I actually think is kind of unique. The first line is kind of unique. I love it. I love the, the symbolism, the, the symbolism of interdependence that you get from those first four words, all beings one body. I think that's just a really poetic way to think about the whole idea of interdependence. But it, the, that's a little different slant than, is, is, than you typically find when you look at English translations of this text. The, ver the, version, the first version that I learned, the first version that I chanted at Zen Mountain Monastery um, went like this. Sentient beings are numberless. I vow to save them. 
Desires are inexhaustible. I vow to put an end to them. The dharmas are boundless. I vow to master them. The Buddha way is unattainable. I vow to obtain it. Um, and if you, if you think about that too hard, it kind of breaks your brain because you realize we're like totally setting ourselves up for failure. I mean, how the hell, you know, four impossible things before breakfast, you know, I mean, it's just, it just seems like it's just a totally ridiculous, what are we even thinking? To, we're, that's the goal that we're setting for ourselves? Oh, we must be morons. What are we doing? Um, there's, a, there's a Japanese Zen teacher named Shohaku Okamura. Um, he, uh, he has a Zen center in Bloomington, Indiana, and he wrote a book a few years ago called Living by Vow, which he takes the, the common um, liturgical elements, sort of chanted elements in, in Soto Zen, and in English translation, and then kind of unpacks them. And he starts with this one. This is kind of, he sees as the, the fundamental text. The whole kind of Zen path builds from this text. Uh, but he also says that he sees the two halves of each phrase as a kind of a basic contradiction. A logical impossibility like trying to empty the ocean with a spoon. That's what he compares it to, trying to empty the ocean with a spoon. And this is what he says about it. It is certainly a stupid way of life, not a clever one. A clever person cannot be a bodhisattva. We are aiming at something eternal, infinite, and absolute. No matter how hard we practice, study, and help other people, there is no end to it all. When we compare our achievement to something infinite, absolute, and eternal, it's like nothing. And the first time I heard this text, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I've learned some things about Buddhism, but I don't, you know, I didn't, this is kind of my first exposure to Zen. I'd never heard anything like this before. And I heard this, I'm, I'm holding that chanting book in my hand. The first time I encountered this text, as I'm going through, I'm like, my eyes are getting bigger, like this, oh my God, what am I in for? And the first thing that popped into my head, some of you children are much too young for this, but um, the first thing that popped into my head was the words from a song, which I'm resisting the urge to try to break up my Broadway voice and sing the song, but I'll just read the words. It is the mission of each true knight, his duty, nay, his privilege, to dream the impossible dream, to fight the unbeatable foe, to bear with unbearable sorrow, to run where the brave dare not go, the right to unrightable wrong, to try when your arms are too weary, to reach the unreachable star, which if you're not familiar with that, what's it from? Oh. Man of La Mancha. It's from Man of La Mancha, which of course is uh, um, a play that was then a musical, which was then a movie uh, starring Peter O'Toole. Um, which is obviously based on uh, Don Quixote, the 17th century novel uh, by Miguel de, de Cervantes. Um, and that's what this reminded me of, you know, that whole, geez, we're just tilting at windmills here, apparently. What are we doing? You know, it's, it's just crazy. If you let it make you crazy, but don't, because it doesn't have to. 
because for several reasons. One reason is because sometimes trying to do something impossible still means that you're moving in the right direction. Right? You're, you're, you're pointing toward a goal. The goal may be unreachable. It may be an unreachable star, but at least you know you've got a guide, you've got a path, right? It's your guiding star. You're never going to get to that star, but at least by going in that direction, you know you're going the right direction, right? So if you think about the four bodhisattva vows as this is by, by, by trying to live my life in a way that goes with these vows, I know I'm traveling the right road. It's sort of like if, you're, if you do yoga, you know, sometimes it's helpful when you're doing physical postures, the asanas and yoga, sometimes it's helpful to think about trying to do something your body physically can't do, but at least then you know you're sort of, you know, think about putting your face on your feet. Well, you can't put your face on your feet, but in some of those postures, if you sort of think about it in terms of I'm trying to put my face on my feet, then, I mean, like, you know, like a standing, standing posture and think about putting your, by doing that, at least you're, you're kind of pointing your body in the right direction, you're properly oriented, you're moving in the right way. The goal that you're aiming toward, obviously you can't, you'd be a, it'd be a pretty freaky person who could stand up and bend over and put their face on their feet. But by doing, by thinking about it that way, you're, you're kind of moving in the right direction. The other thing to think about is the bodhisattva vows are describing a goal that's infinite in time, right? This is not um, something to try to accomplish in a day or a week or a month or a year or even a, a lifetime. It's an infinite goal, and if we, if we accept the mission, if you accept the bodhisattva mission, then if you, if you sort of put your faith in that path, you have to see the state of affairs that the bodhisattva vows are describing as inevitable. In, to break out a biblical phrase, in the fullness of time. In the fullness of time, this will come true. In the fullness of time, this will work out. And that's where the faith comes in, right? To, to have the confidence that I can, I can imagine a universe, in the best of all possible universes, the bodhisattva vows would be accomplished. And imagining that universe coming true is, is the guidance that we need to live our lives. Um, it's also not a solitary goal. Right? I mean, when we recite it, one being, all beings, one body, I vow to liberate. I vow. So we say it in the singular. But if you think about what it means to say that vow, it means that you're actually becoming part of a community, right? The, a community of bodhisattvas. You're becoming part of a sangha. And while you say, I vow, it, you, what you're really describing is the goal of the sangha. Not by sangha, I don't even just mean this, the people in this room, or the people who come to this temple, or the people who are associated with the, the Tego path, or, or with Korean Zen. I'm talking the mahasangha, the great sangha, all beings, right? We're all in this mission together. 
um, you're not personally responsible for saving the world, right? You're responsible for making a contribution to saving the world. And when you recite these vows, you're reminding yourself that you're part of this community of bodhisattvas. You're making a contribution to a collective goal because it's, an, it's a universal goal. It's an enormous goal. We all got to buy into this goal together. It's something we all have to do together. Um, I found another version of this text. It's, a, it's sort of a radically reworked version of it. This is from the, the Tzuchi tradition, which is, is from China. And this is the way they've translated the text into English. And it has, there's some interesting merit to this version of it. I want to read it to you. So this is the way they say it. With sincerity, we vow to deliver all beings. With integrity, we vow to eliminate all afflictions. With faith, we vow to learn all Dharma doors. With steadfastness, we vow to attain Buddhahood. So, I hope you find inspiration and not frustration in these four vows, right? Please don't think that they mean that you have to save the world by yourself by next Tuesday, because that's not what they mean. But by reciting these vows, we're reminding ourselves that we are, we are, part, of a, we are part of the grand cosmic mission. And we play our role, and we contribute to moving the universe toward that sort of best of all possible worlds we can imagine, wherein the bodhisattva vows would be describing the way all beings approach life and, and what a world that would be. Thank you very much. Thank you, Reverend Dejan. Um, announcements.